are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and... uh we're a little juiced still coming off of Victory Monday. It is Monday night on the YouTube channel, Locked On Dolphins. It is the Tuesday episode on the podcast feed. Seeing a bunch of you guys jumping in already on the live stream on Monday night. So clearly, this means you guys are hitting subscribe on the channel. You're getting the push notifications when we go live. If that's something you're interested in, I'd kindly consider you try it out. There's a bunch of comments popping off already. And I'm excited to get into some of the next-gen stats numbers from this Dolphins victory over the New England Patriots. 17-16. Mac Jones, Hack Jones, I don't care what you call him. At the end of the day, he's 0-1 against the Miami Dolphins. And I'm still very much in that fired-up mentality that I was last night. And uh, we got some updates. Uh, we got some updates from Coach Flores on Monday about Raquan Davis and about what the left tackle situation is. And it's all good stuff to get into on a victory Monday afternoon ahead of Monday Night Football or your Tuesday podcast. So let's go ahead and dig this in here. And, and let's start with the update on Raquan Davis. Uh, Coach Flores asked at the top of his Monday, victory Monday, no less, press conference, um, if there was any indication on what the status was with Raquan Davis. And Coach Flores had the following to say, it's still early. We're still doing tests. We probably have more information later on today and in the coming days. Raekwon is a tough kid. He's eager to get back out there, so we will take it one day at a time. We're still kind of running some tests. We don't have any final results. We held him out, so that's the decision we made. Uh, look, nothing is more important than the health of the player. That's the approach we will take, and it's the approach we took with Davis yesterday. We held him out, which kind of lets you know we didn't want to put him back out there. I, I will say this. I had a couple of friends text me. Uh, shout out Frank, uh, who was one of them asking what the update was with Raekwon Davis and the fact that he wasn't in the locker room, he was on the sideline, and he had his helmet on, and he was moving around. That's very encouraging that if Raekwon Davis did sustain something of concern, uh, it's hopefully something that he can work with. We think about Hunter Long. We thought Hunter Long was going to be gone for the year. Turns out the guy's out there. Uh, with a brace, and he's taken 20 snaps in week one against the Patriots. It's just tough as nails. And that's, you know, you think about the the mentality that these Dolphins players have that, that you know, Coach Flores, we kind of laugh and chuckle. And it's like, oh, he's asked about a player. And he's go, oh, well, he's smart. He's tough. The game's important to him. He works real hard. He wants to get better. He loves the game. He's team focused. Like, but that's, you know, a, a guy who gets hurt on the fifth play of his season. And wants to get back into the game so much so that he's literally standing around on the sideline ready to go and raring to go. Um, that, that tells you how important the game of football is uh, to Raekwon Davis. So um, we'll see. Wait and see. Um, Austin Jackson, however, got a vote of confidence from Coach Flores on Monday as well. Um he was asked specifically, is Austin Jackson your starting left ta tackle moving forward? And Coach Flores said Liam did a nice job yesterday. That was obviously a tough environment against a team that shows a lot of different fronts. Uh, I thought he played well, but yeah, Austin is our left tackle. Okay, so that put that to bed. I, th I thought the postgame wording was 
a little interesting. He said, you know, the decision was to get the best five out there. And he's going to say that any opportunity he has to talk about the offensive lines could be, well, we want to get a best five out there. Um, but the phrasing just kind of, it kind of left the door open for like, well, is Austin Jackson not among the best five because he missed the whole week of practice or is Austin Jackson not amongst your best five because you think Liam Eikenberg at left tackle can do that job? Well, I think Liam did enough to kind of make a statement uh, th that he has the physical ceiling to be in the starting lineup. And, and obviously, Jesse Davis was voted a captain and starting at right tackle. And Jesse Davis has a lot of value for this team for the versatility that he brings. But I think from a physical skill set perspective, especially because the Dolphins drafted Liam Eikenberg to play right tackle, hardly gave him any snaps at left tackle. He goes into the game and plays left tackle and plays okay. Obviously, everybody pointed to the, the rep in which he got flat-backed by a power rush. Uh, but upon further review, you no, know, it was pretty clear as day. And, and that's to be expected when you're, you're, not, you're not used to working next to the guy that's next to you. You know, Solomon Kinley in his set and Liam in his set, their feet got tangled up. Liam's uh, right heel got hooked by Solomon. Down he goes flat on his back. So uh, I know that was a... Uh, a popular play to point to. And uh, I thought Liam did a really admirable job. Obviously I thought the, the holding penalty was a little ticky tack, but at the same time, he didn't need to grab him like that. So that that's, um, that'll be a work in progress. Uh, the, the, uh, questions in the comments. Uh, can you speak about what is going on with the media's hate on Miami? They're going to have to earn everything that they get from a respect perspective. And I alluded to that on the, the Victory Monday show. Uh, I hope we enjoy this process of forcing people to respect the Miami Dolphins. It's been 15 years of mediocrity at best, and they're not going to take you seriously. How the Buffalo Bills are viewed now, if you wind the clocks and the calendars back 12 months, the Bills were generally perceived to be the exact same as the Dolphins. And I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to make that kind of a leap. Man, that'd be awesome, though, wouldn't it? 13 games won, appearance in the AFC Championship game. But ultimately, Buffalo forced everyone to eat crow with all the smack they talked about Josh Allen and how this was a paper tiger team and how they were a one-year wonder. Is anybody talking about the Bills like that anymore? No, it is Bills hate week here on Locked on Dolphins, but uh, nobody talks about the Bills like that anymore. And it's because they made everybody eat their words by going out every Sunday and just kicking somebody's ass. And that's what this team has to do to get the respect that we all feel they deserve. So, food for thought. Um, Next Gen Stats had some interesting numbers uh, from this Dolphins game. Uh, Tua Valoa, his snap to release time on average was 2.58 seconds on average from snap to release. That is almost exactly in line with the 2.55 that he played with last year. Uh, but one of the big areas of improvement is the average intended air yards down the field. Uh, in 2020, Tua averaged 7.7 .7 intended air yards per pass attempt. Uh, he was short of the sticks on average. His 
Every, all of his past attempts combined on average were one yard short of the first down mark uh, on any given play. Those numbers are not the same as what was illustrated against New England. Uh, his average intended air yards was up 1.7 yards per attempt, 9.4. And for some context, that 9.4 was the sixth highest figure in all of football in week one. And obviously, we this is being recorded before the Monday Night Football game is played. But 9.4 yards, average intended air yards down the field, that is a significant level of aggressiveness. Listen to some of these teams or some of these quarterbacks that Tua Tagovailoa's average depth of target uh, is in line with Russell Wilson. 10.4 was number one. Josh Allen, 9.9. Zach Wilson, 9.8. Baker Mayfield, 9.8. Tarod Taylor in Houston, that's a bit of an outlier. He had a couple uh, deep attempts down the field. 9.5. Tua was more aggressive as far as average intended air yards than Patrick Mahomes and Matthew Stafford in week one and Kyler Murray and Jameis Winston and Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and Tom Brady and Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill, da, 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 Dak Prescott, you name it. Uh, Mac Jones, by the way, average intended air yards was the seventh fewest in football uh, in week one, 6.3 yards per attempt. So two on average over three yards further down the field for every single pass attempt that he had than Mac Jones and 1.7 more than the product that he put on the field in 2020. And why I make such a point to point this out is I think this is really valuable information to know against a New England team. There were some shots that were taken, the Albert Wilson shot, the Devontae Parker shot, the Jalen Waddle slot fade. There was aggressiveness. There was the the deep route across the middle that Devontae Parker couldn't hold on to. And whatever that route was, whether it was a sale concept or whatever, I hadn't had a chance to, to go back and rewatch the game yet uh, and hopefully get my hands on the all 22 here uh, that Jalen Waddle dropped. If Parker doesn't drop the one over the middle that JC Jackson broke up, and if Waddle catches the one that was off his frame that Tua probably would have liked to have had back to have just a little bit better placement on, We're, uh, we're, we're talking about a significantly more explosive day for Tua. I mean, you're talking probably 275 yards plus passing with the same number of pass attempts. Um, but the aggressiveness was there. They weren't always in sync. Uh, there were some missed opportunities. I thought the protection did okay, all things considered. Tua was hit four times. It's not like Tua got knocked on his ass a bunch. He was sacked twice. There was the boneheaded play with the interception. Yes. Nobody's going to make excuses for that. You can't you can't throw that ball. And to himself, alluded that he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds. I don't know if I believe him, but that's okay. Um, another number that jumps out to me, Tua Tagovailoa, Fourth most aggressive quarterback in terms of aggressive percentage, which is throws directed to a target with a defender within one yard of the receiver. Fourth most aggressive quarterback in football in week one behind Baker Mayfield, Ben Roethlisberger, Taylor Heineke. 25.9% of his pass attempts. So one out of every four was a aggressive throw into a tight window. And if we're being honest, the turnover worthy play 
was just a dumb decision. But you review the rest of what they put out there, there's there's a lot to like about the placement, the accuracy. I thought he did reset himself fairly well. So just from a next-gen stats perspective, uh, I do have a, a good appreciation that Tua, he held the ball about the same amount of time in the pocket as he did on average last year. Uh, but he pushed the ball. He was more aggressive. Uh, he was more assertive to push the ball down the field. Uh, took some shots. And uh, there's some dynamics of this receiving game that we need to get into as well uh, that, that I think are significant for what they bode for the Dolphins long-term. And obviously only Jalen Waddell and Devontae Parker got involved in the passing game. But you look at some of the numbers and compare them to last year and just schematically, like they set themselves up for a little bit more explosive plays. And they obviously had multiple 30 plus yard completions against new England. Uh, Pat, yes. Raise your glass, pour one out just a little bit. This is very nice bourbon. I'm not going to pour it out, but uh, you could please pour one out uh, for JC Jackson and the negativity that he brought after the game uh, in an L. We're back and better than ever. And all eyes are on the gridiron. It's football season. Once again, as always, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. May or may not have made some bank on Dolphins plus three and a half and the money line. I'm not saying, I'm just saying we do put our money where our mouth is, just like I know my buddy Pat in the comments does. Using promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. So we alluded to the passing game and these two pass catchers for Miami and everybody, the buzzwords for Miami was separation and yards after catch. Those were the problematic areas for the dolphins as far as what they needed more of that they have not gotten. And you look at, Obviously, Mike Kosecki without a catch. The, the backs got involved in the passing game a little bit. But Jalen Waddell and Devontae. Devontae Parker is the really interesting one to me, if we're being honest. Uh, but Waddell, at 3.6 yards of separation per target, that is almost twice the amount but like Parker, Preston Williams, Mike has said these guys had less than 1.8 last year. Waddle had double the separation in week one against New England. And I understand they didn't have Stephon Gilmore. Okay. But this Patriots secondary was deep. And for you, whether it was the short motion and you saw some of the things that we talked about in the game plan episode on I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. I lost count because we did seven episodes because we had so much damn info to get to. 
we talked about Miami moving these receivers at the snap to manufacture a little additional leverage for the routes that they were running. Waddle, 3.6 yards of separation is a significant number. And if you feel like that's a cherry-picked number, uh, I would give you this for consideration. Waddle uh, averaged over 10 yards downfield on average targeted air yards across the entirety of the game. So it wasn't Ant or Tyler Lockett or Brandon Cooks. Tyler Lockett, his average depth downfield on his targets, his five targets for Seattle this past weekend was 23 yards, right? But this is not like there's guys out there like Jalen Rager, who was 1.1 yards down the field on average across six targets. Jonu Smith for the Patriots. This is an excellent illustration of what the Patriots did in this football game, right? Jonu Smith's average depth downfield on five targets, three yards. They did not push the ball down the field with him at all. And this was not the only Patriots receiver with a paltry number. Jacoby Myers, 6.4. Hardly pushed the ball downfield with their most significant targets. Only really Nelson Aguilar, who is a speedster, just kind of struggles at times with his ball skills. Uh, he was at 12.9 yards of depth, which was equal, effectively, to what Devontae Parker had. 12.8 yards downfield, average depth of target. So, you know, everybody talks about the slants and the quick throws, but Waddle and Parker average distance was 10 plus yards downfield. And Parker posted a number that I had not really recognized for Devontae Parker. It was over two yards of separation per target. That's a great number for Devontae Parker when you take into consideration he struggled to get over that threshold over the last couple of seasons. That's a really good number. Uh, OG Highway, it was dink and dunk for most of the game for New England. Yes, so Next Gen Stats also has uh, the passing charts. And I believe the chart for Mac Jones is mislabeled uh, because I've been trying to get my head around why a tight end for the Indianapolis Colts has a passing chart with some 40 completions, right? Uh, but if I am interpreting this, and I counted it up and the numbers do match, so I do believe this is Mac Jones's passing chart and not Kylan Granson, the rookie um, tight end from Indianapolis. There were three throws for New England that averaged 20-plus yards yield in the entirety of the game. If you expand it to 15, you know how many you get? Six. 15-plus yards downfield, six attempts out of 39 total passing attempts. For context, Tua had one, two, three, four, four pass attempts on 27 attempts, four pass attempts beyond 25 yards down the field. And if you roll it back to 15 yards of depth, you've got the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pass attempts at 15 on 12 less attempts. So it gets into you know depth of target and understanding the distribution of the routes and what they're trying to do and who they're trying to isolate. And the linebackers and safeties gave up a lot of yardage. I know Travis Wingfield went through the stats on like 
the corners gave up nothing, like nothing in the passing game, which is what we expected, right? We said, we're going to try and turn this into a nine on nine football game and we're going to lock down on the outside. And for the most part, the Dolphins did that very well. So I thought this game plan kind of went according to plan other than maybe some people's expectations of what the final score was going to look like. But I'm encouraged by by getting the affirmation from the charting uh, from next-gen stats between the passing charts and the advanced metrics on the passing game and the receivers involved with Waddle and Parker uh, and how much I didn't even give the best stat on those two guys. The eye-opening stat is the yards after catch that these guys created. Yards after catch created per reception in week one. You know who? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Number nine was in the NFL. Devontae Parker was the ninth highest receiver in the NFL in yards after catch in week one. That is a mind-blowing number when you consider the restrictions that were in place last year and how difficult that felt, right? He averaged eight and a half yards after catch per reception. Number 11 wide receiver in the NFL in yards after catch, Jalen Waddell, 7.4 yards after catch per reception for Waddle. So these two guys... Ninth and 11th in the NFL in Yak. So there's some peaks at what this is conceptually going to look like. What things have changed versus what they were last year. And this was always just going to be an ugly game. These guys know each other like the backs of their hands. Uh, the Belichick. Flores' relationship uh, kind of makes this even more complicated. But I love seeing Parker and Waddle create explosive plays and create after the catch. I love seeing Tua Tagovailoa have more aggressiveness to push the ball down the field and the offensive line hold up okay in pass protection against New England. And some of that was because they aided the offensive line and kept more tight ends, tight ends in to help in pass pro and the running backs involved in pass pro. So you didn't get some of the spacing dynamics and stress that you would otherwise hoped and expect to get. But at the end of the day, that's going to come when they feel as though they're not going against a, a, a defensive structure that they know can create havoc with the kind of two and three man games that they play up front. And the dolphins know that all too well, because it's the same ideology that Brian Flores came from. And they've seen that success work firsthand for themselves. RockAuto.com is a family business who's provided auto car parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're looking for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet, for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price of the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Rockauto.com has everything you need, and make sure you visit the website and get all of your auto parts needs taken care of. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. 
Let me know if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. I want to tell you there's a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your li favorite live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no more need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required content varies by package. A couple interesting comments here that I do want to get into because there's a bunch of you guys who have joined in and a couple of questions um, that I, I think are good to tackle, including one from Robert. I know you're mostly positive, but are there any real concerns you have on the team moving forward? And I know somebody had asked about Bernard McKinney and if I thought he would have helped. Uh, I think having Raekwon Davis for the entirety of the game would have helped more than Bernard McKinney. But again, I, I also go back to if you erase and you, you don't erase it because that's not how the game works. But after the 35-yard run from Damian Harris, the Dolphins conceded 3.1 yards per rush the rest of the game. Bernard McKinney's not helping you in the passing game. He's a downhill, between-the-tackles, thump-thud player, just like Elan and Roberts. I don't think you get both of those guys on the field at the same time, so unless you're looking for McKinney to rotate with Roberts or to play over Roberts, and it seems like this staff has more trust in Roberts because he's been in the system longer, he has the sweat equity. Uh, both guys coming off of injuries, so I suppose the, suppose the tie is going to go to the guy who's cheaper, who's been in the system so they know what they're getting. I don't know that he would have changed anything other than potentially from a physical skill set perspective, giving you more power to play into your run fits between the tackles. But I think Raekwon Davis's absence um, hurt the running game or the run game defense more than not having Bernardrick McKinney. But as far as areas of real concern I have for this team moving forward, of course I have concerns. Uh, I, I think the offensive line is going to be very high variance with their play. I understand they're going to get better, right? You've got potentially at some point five guys who were drafted in the last three years in the first, second, third, or fourth round who are going to be your starting offensive line coming from various backgrounds. They have not played together particularly long. I understand there's going to be volatility with that. And, you know, that could lead to egregious hits on your quarterback or the running back getting blown up in the backfield coming out of the mesh point or um, another offensive lineman getting rolled up on. I think depth on the offensive line is absolutely something to be concerned with. I think the youth could potentially derail games along the way. But I want to use this year as the process to kind of evaluate these guys in real time and get an idea on, okay, who are our answers? Who are we guys we think can be answers? And who are guys that we're, we're probably just going to have to be really brutally honest with ourselves and have to move on from? Defensively, I need to see the Dolphins, Xerox, the game plan that the Steelers, who are one of the most aggressive teams in football, take the defensive game plan that they applied to the Buffalo Bills and have the Dolphins use it and have success as well. Because at the end of the day, you don't have Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt. They rushed three or four guys for a majority of the game. They only blitzed like 10, 15% of the time. 
They flooded the secondary and they flooded the throwing windows and still managed to heat Josh Allen up by bringing fewer bodies. That's what guys like Jalen Phillips were brought in for. That's what Emmanuel Aguilar, a contract here, has to be really motivated for. That's what, if you want to give Christian Wilkins the opportunity to be a little bit more, hey, go get him kind of guy instead of a guy who does a lot of dirty work on the inside. Well, Andrew Van Giga, like they've got candidates, but I think that is the blueprint. And that's what you tried to achieve this offseason. Now we just need to see it happen, right? And we'll get our first chance to see that um, Buffalo had 50, Josh Allen had 51 pass attempts against Pittsburgh. And they were winning for the first 40 minutes of the football game or whatever it was. So you're going to have everybody who wants to see who can go after the passer, it's going to be a good week for it. It's going to be a really good week for it. So those are, those are a couple areas that I, I am concerned. I would be lying if I said I don't have concerns with this team. But I try not to be emotional with like knee-jerk reactions to stuff as it happens. Uh, the other question that I had seen that I thought was a good one came from Jer Hef. Jer Hef? Where was Gasecki yesterday? Thought he would be a matchup nightmare against the Pats. This is why I have a hard time figuring out what Miami's going to do with Mike Gasecki, to be completely honest with you, because he's a slot receiver is what he is. And that's based off his usage. That's based off what his strengths and weaknesses are on the field. And Miami, like, unless they kind of went spread and there were only a handful of times that they really honestly spread the field, there were not a lot of opportunities to get a big slot receiver on the field. They wanted the speed and they wanted to crowd the box. Uh, to try and expand the blocking surfaces and, and widen out the defensive end so they had a little bit more run to, room to run between the tackles. Mike can't play with his hand in the dirt. So you take the fact that there's five tight ends on the roster. They just drafted Hunter Long in the third round. Mike's probably going to get $12, $13, 14000000 million on a contract if he hits free agency. I just do that math. I don't know. And I, I think it's going to be week to week with Mike. I know it is. There's going to be some examples, and he's typically performed pretty well against Buffalo, so I expect him to have a strong bounce back, and he does have good chemistry with Tua. But just from like a schematics perspective, like he's not really agile, so you play him in the slot, and you're compromising some of your explosiveness opportunities because he's a, he's a true big flex tight end is what he is. Um. But he can't give you anything of value with putting him on the play side, ask him to work in pass protection, ask him to run block. It's just not what he does. And that doesn't make him a lesser player, but it does make him kind of a, a difficult week-to-week projection as far as what he's going to look like uh, for Miami. So, yeah, I, I think Mike is not something I'm... Um, too concerned with it's more so the what piece of the puzzle does he fulfill uh, long term i'll take a couple more questions to close us down how's that including uh k chaos uh, jalen phillips cannot beat one-on-one blocks he had he did not have success against he had a one quarterback hit on 20 snaps or so against new england um We've gotten very little looks at what Jalen Phillips can do, but I can tell you from a college evaluation perspective, um, Jalen Phillips absolutely can rush the passer. It's just a question of how quickly does he assimilate to the pro game. 
Um, next question from Wildcat Thompson. What's worse, if Tua has a bad season or if Tua is a very average season? I think that's a good question. I want answers, right? And, and I do think quarterback purgatory is an area that the Dolphins have spent too much time in, in general. Uh, so whatever pathway is going to put us to the point where we don't know what we have in Tua, I think it's the worst case scenario. You know, you, you'd like to have clarity and we all think Tua is going to be successful because he puts the work in and he is a, a great leader. And, you know, th there's all these improvements that we've seen be made. I think the version of the of Tua that we got against New England is certainly a better player than the player who beat the Pats in week 17, if we're being completely honest. Again, it was the aggressiveness, the willingness to push the ball down the field, all those things. Uh, you thought you saw it on tape, and then the numbers come back, and they absolutely check out and back it up. Uh, people in the comments shouting out Michael Dieter. Absolutely. I thought he played a very good game uh, for Miami. I thought from guard to guard, other than the play where both guards pulled and went opposite directions and crashed into each other, which looked like Robert Hunt was incorrect on that play. I'm not sure. Uh, but Michael Dieter, I thought, played good for Miami, uh, encouraged by his play. Uh, Christian Wilkins, Mike said, uh, Mike has some concerns. I won't use his lingo uh, with, with Christian. Christian kind of is consistent with struggling with the pad level, if we're being honest. Um, he's he's never really been a guy who's consistent with staying low. When he is low, he's very difficult to move. He's extremely talented. But it's a consistency thing, and it's kind of at the point now where, like, yeah, you know New England's going to get after you up front a little bit, and they got really, really good guards. You know, Oweno overmatches you with size. He's like 200, 370 pounds. And Jack Mason's one of the best run-blocking guards in all football. Like, he's really good in the run game. So I understand why Wilkins had his hands full. I would expect Wilkins to have a big bounce back against Buffalo. It's going to go ahead and put a bow on this live episode of Locked on Dolphins. We got Monday Night Football coming up. If you joined us on the live stream on the YouTube channel, Locked on Dolphins, thanks so much for watching. Kindly consider you hit subscribe, like the video, get the push notifications when we come live. Come chat with us. It's really great seeing this community continue to grow. If you're listening on the podcast stream, no worries. Just make sure you hit subscribe on Locked on Dolphins and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. That's going to do it for us tonight on the stream. Thanks as always. And get ready. Tomorrow is the official start of Bill's Hate Week. That's absolutely right, Chris. Bill's Hate Week is here. We're bringing the pain and we're ready to buck this trend. And we're going to spend the next couple of days talking about how the Dolphins get that done. Fins up.